Well, good afternoon everybody. Nice to see you. Afternoon, not morning. It's my privilege to lead you in response to an important teaching by our Lord Jesus Christ as recorded by Luke. It's very clear that Luke had heard the Lord present this teaching many years before, but it's likely he didn't write it down for quite a long time. To me, this is part of the evidence of why it's important today. The words of the Lord were etched on Luke's brain and he was led to write them down for us to read and respond to. We know these verses as Luke 18 verses 9 to 14. Let's read these verses now and then share, let me share with you my thoughts in response to them. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. How do you and I respond to these words? Now my eccentric mind is going to ask you two questions. Is anybody here today a Pharisee? Please raise your hand. No. Is anybody here a tax collector? No. So my response must be, why does this passage apply to us? My answer has to be, this was a teaching was a parable, and like many other passages in the Bible, symbolism was used so that the words apply to people of every different culture and generation. The words are almost godless. Did, did you note, Jesus added words about having contempt for others who don't have such standards. Luke made it very clear that Jesus was speaking to people who trusted in themselves, they thought they were righteous and they regarded others with contempt. And sadly, I believe this makes these words of our Lord very applicable for us today. What does it mean for a person to be righteous in our society? We can summarise the community definition of righteousness as, as acting within the law, avoiding any activity that brings criticism or complaints from others, being morally right and having a sense of justice, etc. But such a sense of definition is almost godless. Jesus added to these thoughts saying, God, I thank you. The Pharisee prayed saying, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers. I fast twice a week. I give tenth of all my in income. The words of Jesus make it clear that the Pharisee got it wrong. The truth begins as we follow the tax collector. God be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus used this definition 
Michael Bonahid Bobby, um, to teach us that righteousness is not self-imposed because we have all sinned. The tax collector was to be received by God because he confessed his sins and was humble before God. He set his personal standards and pride apart and bowed in humility before God. Now it would be very easy to stop here and pray to all the Lord to seek his mercy, but I want to continue and discuss five thoughts that this parable brings to our mind. The idea of humility, confession, righteousness, the difference between spirituality and religion, and knowing God versus knowing about God. What is humility? Now the earthly definition will define humility as a modest or low view of one's importance. This certainly applied to the tax collector in our Lord's parable, and the Pharisee was the exact opposite. But I want to propose to you that the greatest example of humility was our Lord Jesus himself. Jesus, as the Son of God, was with the Father in the entire process of creation. Think about it. Scientists tell us that there's a trillion, quadrillion stars out there. That's 10 to the power of 21 for you who understand numbers. Our Lord was with the Father when all of these were made. Energy was turned into mass with the Big Bang. If you want an even bigger number, God created more than 10 to the power of 80 atoms. The truth amazes me and causes me to bow in worship and in awe. And that is uh, because the Father at creation was outside of time and Jesus was with him. But then Jesus came to walk amongst us on earth as God incarnate. He's restricted to a human body starting as a little baby and he was able to walk at just four miles an hour. Our Jesus came in humble human form so he could show us the love of the Father so that he could be seen to die for us in spiritual as well as physical death and so that we could turn to God and know forgiveness. Today, while our thoughts have been initiated by the humility of the tax collector, we need to be humble and bow before the Lord Jesus, our Saviour, who took on human humility so we could know the love of God and turn to him. There is another lesson for here in that our service for the Lord is maximised when we seek to serve the Lord and share our faith with humility. Blessings to each of you as you think about these thoughts and use them to help and energise your service to the Lord. Remember the words of God, all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, the second part of the lesson from the story of the tax collector is the importance of confession. In the translation I use, which is the New Revised Standard, the word confession occurs 19 times in the Bible, 10 in the New Testament, 9 in the Old. But there are other variations of the word meaning confessed, confessing, confesses, confession, and these occur 25 times. Almost all of these verses in the, the Old and the New Testament refer to the need to confess our sins 
and the way that the Lord forgives us when we do this sincerely. And perhaps the most well-known verse is found in the letter to the Romans, chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. If you confess with your lips that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart and so is justified, and one confesses with the mouth and so is saved. In the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, which we're thinking about today, Jesus added that the tax collector went down to his home justified. I might be reading too much into this, but it moves me that the man went to his house, which means he walked along the road, justified and forgiven, because he confessed his sin. To me, this is a reminder that having turned to the Lord and confessed our sins, we know forgiveness, but it doesn't stop there. Our Lord causes us to walk with him in our lives today as he leads us to our eternal home. So for me, whoopsie, so for me and for us today, the passage has reminded that having made our commitment to the Lord and having confessed and continue to confess our sins, we are called to walk with him forever. This is the Lord's plan for all of us so we continue to grow in spirit. Remember the precious words of our Lord. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. My prayer today is that we will hold fast to our Lord so we can walk with him forever. Now the third lesson I want to think about is the link between confession and righteousness, between humility and righteousness. The Pharisee in the parable was proud. Remember what he said, God, I thank you, I'm not like other people. In contrast, the tax collector called out to God in extreme humility, beating his breast and looking down, he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I believe that this parable has been recorded for us so we can learn from it. We need to bow before our God in deep humility when we confess our sins and then our Lord enfolds us with his love and forgives us. None of us deserve the love that the Lord enfolds us with, but as and when we do this, he forgives us, he enfolds us in his love and he adopts us as his children, as righteous children. Today, I pray that each of you will etch this thought on your mind so that in humility and enfolded by the love of God, you can worship and serve him forever in righteousness. Now the fourth subject I want to talk about this morning is the difference between religion and spirituality. This might seem a bit theological to you, but I'm not a theologian, so I'm going to be brief. I also want to say that we all come from many different ways, come to the Lord in different ways, so this is a blessing. And it's helped me to understand that God wants us to be sincere towards him within the limits of our faith. Over the years, and living in five different countries, I've come to know brothers and sisters in the family of God from many different church traditions, Baptist to Catholic, Pentecostal to Evangelical Greek Orthodox, and I'm sure that many of you have had similar experiences. We need to be sincere towards God within the limits of our culture, our understanding and our faith. 
And if you're four years old, that means Jesus loves me, this I know. You and I as older people will have an expanded understanding of who God is, his love and the need for salvation. But I want to continue by reminding you about some of the differences between religion and spirituality. Religion might be about where you go to worship. The Pharisee went up to the temple to worship. We come here, but churches practice across the city and across the world are all different. What clothes do you wear to church? Do you stand up or sit down or walk forward when you pray? Some people need a priest in robes or have a standard catechism. In other religions, icons, temples, physical acts of prayer and many other things are important. But these are matters of religion. By contrast, spirituality is about our relationship with God. Yes, I come to church to worship God, but I also worship God when I'm lying in bed or when I'm driving my car. Dear Lord, I thank you for your presence, which is closer than my wife or other passengers. Please help me to stay alert and drive safely today. So what does a spiritual relationship with God mean to you? Yes, I need to come to church, and I enjoy meeting with other Christians, and these are activities in which the Lord blesses me by his presence. But can I encourage you to step back from the example of the Pharisee and follow the example of the tax collector? As you do this, you will be exalted and you will grow in spirit. So spirituality is about giving priority to the relationship we have with God and our Lord Jesus rather than the things we do here in church. Of course they're important as the Lord leads us. But I invite you to think about these things and put first in your spiritual life as distinct from religious activities. Now the final point I want to make is the difference between knowing God and knowing about God. We can be sure that the Pharisee knew a lot about God. The tax collector was probably a bit naive about religion, but he had come to know God. I want to suggest for all of us that our relationship with God begins with knowing about him. As a teenager, I committed myself to Christ because I'd come to know and believe that he was the Son of God who died for us so that we could forgive him. Therefore I was baptised and I had become a Christian. I've since come to understand that while turning to the Lord requires us to know about God, Christian growth is about knowing God. The Pharisee knew about God, but the tax collector, while a story from a parable, is an example of knowing God. We will each have different ways in sharing our experience of how we know God, and that too is a reminder of how the Lord cares for us in different ways, according to the stage of our growth and our different personalities. My faith says that we, when we begin to know God, when he blesses us with the presence of the Holy Spirit, I don't believe that we are even capable of knowing about God, let alone knowing his presence without his call. When we commit ourselves to the Lord, he blesses us with his presence, who lives with us and within us. This means our Lord knows everything we think, even before we put words to them. Our Lord knows us. 
Now, I've also come to know that there's two levels of conversation between God and my mind. The first is the conversation between the Holy Spirit and my spirit. How often have you sensed the need to pray, to read the Bible, to come to church, to care for a friend? Have you followed in your mind, where did this thought come from? With time, we have a growing awareness of thoughts that are the result of God leading our thoughts. This is part of Christian growth. Yes, I have committed to the Lord for over 60 years, but this awareness of the Lord leading me is much greater in more recent years. It's taught me and brought me the awareness that I am being taught to know God, and you are being taught to know God. The second level of conversation is between my spirit and my mind. So I put human words to the deep and holy thoughts that I've been blessed with. Let me give you an example. It's time to get up, Howard. It's Sunday morning and you need to pray for the prayer pair for the Zoom meeting and then going to church or close to bedtime. Howard, have a look at your Bible. There's some things I want to show and teach you. When I get a thought like this, I often pray, is that you, Lord, speaking to me? And I get that in a sense. Yes, my son, listen to what I say and follow my leading. Now, we each have got very many different stories of how the Lord has led us, and our testimonies will reflect our personal intimate his leading is. Therefore, the rest of thy words today will be in the form of a testimony, because the Lord moves us in different ways. I can't expect to know intimately the way the Lord moves you, and similarly, you will find the way the Lord moves me is different from you. So I invite you to listen to three different episodes of personal testimony that I want to share. And I trust that this will help you understand more about knowing our God rather than just knowing about him. One story that I love to share comes from when we went to live in England. We decided to find a church that was right for us and live within one mile of it. The third church seemed about right because it had a good youth group, etc. And we purchased a house within one mile. This was Poynton Baptist Church in Cheshire, England. After we moved in, we were found we were half a mile from the second best graded high school in the United Kingdom. Our two older children later attended the school and I continue to be amazed at the leading of the Lord and the way that our experiences of his leadership helped us to know him and trust him. Being members of this church in Poynton and being an active leader there was very helpful to our family. We grew to love our brothers and sisters in this church. And today, even though we left England 38 years ago, we still have a 40-minute Zoom meeting with eight other couples two times a month. Several of them have visited us here in Melbourne. They've been to the Penguins. They've worshipped here with us. We thank the Lord for answering our prayers and making us part of his family. When we arrived in Melbourne, we used the same idea, find a church and live close, but we made it two miles because the geography is a bit different. So we became members of this church here, now called Pathway, and we have never regretted it. Our membership here has helped us to know God more. Now the second experience of testimony I want to share you is an unusual experience on a flight from Melbourne to London. The plane stopped in Bahrain en route from Singapore and I got out for a walk around the airport. 
Every door had a man with a gun in it, but I felt very safe. I've wandered round a bookstore and I've found a religious corner. On the top shelf of the small bookcase, there were Korans and Bibles right next to each other. On the next shelf, there were three kinds of books like Introducing Westerners to Islam, Modern Pentecostal Christianity, and The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Kempis. Now, I heard this was the second most widely read Christian book in the world, so I bought a copy. This is the new translation. And I started reading it back on the plane. The book stood me up, or if you like, it sat me down. And I finished it as we landed at Heathrow. Thomas Akempis was a German Dutch canon who was born in 1380. He lived in a monastery almost all his life, but he discovered the concept of conversational prayer and the practice of putting words to the thoughts that the Lord gave us when we pray and worship. Thomas Akempis called this Christ speaking in your heart. Let me give you an example from uh, his book, chapter th one of book three, Inner Comfort. He wrote, Thomas wrote, I shall listen to what the Lord God will say deep within my heart. Blessed is the soul that listens to the Lord speaking within and then receives a word of comfort from him. Then Thomas put words to the thoughts that the Lord has touched his mind. Jesus, these are the words written by Thomas. I am your salvation, your peace and your life. Live in me and you will find peace. Let go of all passing things and seek eternal ones. What are all passing things but enticements that lead you away from me? And what good are created things if they cause you to be abandoned by the Creator? So let go of such things and make yourself to your Creator so that you find true happiness. These were written over 600 years ago. Thomas's book continues with many prayers and responses from the Lord. His writing crosses the generations and is very relevant to us today. I don't have any more time to read this to you today, but I, I invite you to have a look at the book or purchase one for yourself if you have time. But Thomas taught me another lesson. If Queen Elizabeth or the President of the USA spoke to me, I would remember everything they said. How much more should I try and remember the things the Lord says to me? Therefore, after I returned home, I began to record my personal devotional response to the Bible, with a recorded response to every verse or passage, and my response to the whole Bible took 15 years, plus another five to edit it and get the punctuation right. I can't bring it today because the hard copy is two shelves long but I can give you an example. Here's Genesis chapter 1, verse 5. God called the light day, and the day darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And then I recorded and wrote down the prayer that I wrote. Lord God, this comes to me today as a reminder that the distinction between light and dark was and is always be a priority to you. I invite you to remind me whenever I am in danger of forgetting this. And then I believe the Lord gave me some thoughts which I wrote down in words, like Thomas Kempis did. My child, think for a moment how people think of light across a wide spectrum. 
You know visible light as the colours of the rainbow, plus ultraviolet and infrared. So it is with me. I shine with a wide spectrum of light into men and women to meet every need they have or ever will have, to brighten them, to lead them, to uncover and sometimes to burn in the energy sources my nature, which is love. My prayer, this is an enormous, awesome thought, dear Father, and I am led by your light today to lift my spirit to you in worship and in awe of you, my God of light. Now you'll appreciate that the rest of my response to the Bible is very long, but this ongoing exercise of recording my prayer and writing down what I think God's saying to me has helped me grow my faith and to know my God. The third testimony that I want to share concerns the grace and healing of the Lord after I suffered anaphylaxis. Some of you will have heard about this before. I've had asthma since I was a teenager and I'm allergic to yeast. In May 1995, I went to a business meeting that was held at a winery near Marysville. I did two lectures in the morning and then we did a tour of the cellars. Over lunch, I collapsed with asthma and anaphylaxis and I stopped breathing for nine minutes. It seemed that I had breathed in some yeasts. My colleague saved my life with a resuscitation and he rushed me to the local hospital, thumping my chest with one hand as he drove his car. I don't remember anything, but I was taken by helicopter to Ringwood. Don't remember the helicopter either. I was in hospital for four days with a one or two minute memory. I tell the same joke six times in a half an hour. In due course, I saw a professor of neurology who told me that I had damage to the frontal brain, the part that makes decisions. Someone else needs to make the decisions for you, you're damaged. I was distraught about this because my life and my work was all about thinking. So I prayed to the Lord. Thank you that my friend was able to save my life, but dear Lord, I need your touch to heal my brain and my thinking. Two days after, Lying in bed at 9.45 at night, I had a vision of a naked brain. I knew what a brain was because I'd studied anatomy as a medical student. Then I saw two hands lowering down from above to touch the brain and each had a dark black spot on the wrist. The lower half of the vision was a bright blue-green colour and I knew that dreams are usually black and white. But a week later I read in the book of Exodus that in heaven God walked on a sapphire pavement. I had been touched by the hands of the Lord. Two weeks later I was assessed again but the professor told me that I had a complete and totally unexpected recovery. You will understand how I know that God is real. That I have come to know him more. Yes, we all come to know God in different ways, but spiritual growth begins with knowing about God and then progresses to be knowing God. This is the journey that will never end. Now the final example I want to share with you about knowing God is all about worship. How often have you begun to pray the Lord, to the Lord as you go to sleep and you suddenly woke up in mid-sentence two hours later? 
When we come before the Lord in worship and supplication, he blesses us with the peace of his presence. Some of you will have heard me say before how the letters peace, P-E-A-C-E, stand for the presence of our eternal God and Christ. Our God is leading us to live forever with him. It begins with knowing about him, and it continues as we lead to know him, and of course to trust him, to love him and serve him. Now, I'm aware that none of you are tax collectors, but I pray that the Lord will bless you all as he leads you to walk with him, to serve him, and to know him more intimately with a spiritual and not just a religious relationship. Would you please join me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you together today that you have blessed us with the presence of your Holy Spirit, that you're teaching us to know you more intimately and not just to know about you. Please help us to listen to your words within us so you can grow us in faith, so we can know you, worship you, love you and serve you more and more as you grow us and bring to yourself. And we pray this prayer in the name of our Lord Jesus, who came to live amongst us and die for us, so that we can live with you forever. Amen. And it's time to pray together, to sing, as we uh, sing together the hymn, and I've got it written here, Trust and Obey. <laughs>